Good morning. I'm going to read you a story. One of my family's favorite story. It's called The Day the Crayons Quit. And it goes like this. One day in class, Duncan went to take out his crayons and found a stack of letters with his name on them. Hey, Duncan, it's me, the red crayon. We need to talk. You, you make me work harder than all the other crayons all year long. I wear myself out coloring fire engines, apples, strawberries, and everything else that's red. I even work on holidays. I have to color all the Santas on, on Christmas and all the hearts on Valentine's Day. I need a rest. Your overworked friend, Red Crayon. Dear Duncan, all right, listen. I love that I'm your favorite crayon for grapes and dragons and wizard hats, but it makes me crazy that so much of my gorgeous colors goes outside the lines. If you don't start coloring inside the lines soon, I am going to completely lose it. Your very neat friend, Purple Crayon. Dear Duncan, all right, I'm tired of being called light brown or dark tan because I am neither. I am beige and I am proud. I am also sick and tired of being second place to Mr. Brown Crayon. It's not fair that the brown gets all the bears, the ponies, and the puppies Why? while all the thing I get are turkey dinners, if I'm lucky, and wheat. And let's be honest, when was the last time you saw a kid excited about coloring wheat? Your beige friend base crayon. Duncan, all right, great crayon here. You're killing me. I know you love elephants, and, 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 and I know that elephants are gray, but that's a lot of space to color all by myself. And don't even get me started about your rhinos and the hippos and the humpback whales. I, do you know how tired I am after handling one of those? I mean, they're, they're such big animals. Baby penguins are great too, you know? So are very tiny rocks, pebbles. How about one of those once in a while? I need a break. You're very tired, friend. Gray Cran. Dear Duncan, you color with me. But why? Most of the time, I'm the same color as the page that you're using, white. If I didn't have a black outline, you wouldn't even know that I was there. I mean, I'm not even in the rainbow. I'm only used to color snow or to fill in empty space between other things. And that leaves me feeling, well, well, Empty. We need to talk. Your empty friend, White Crane. Hi, Duncan. I hate being used to draw the outline of things. 
things that are colored in by other colors, all of which think that they're brighter than me. It's not fair when you draw a nice beach ball and then fill the colors of the ball with all the other colors. How about a black beach ball? Is that really too much to ask your friend, the black crayon? Hey, Duncan! As a green crayon, I, I, I'm writing for two reasons. One, to say that I like my workload with all the crocodiles and the trees and the dinosaurs and frogs. I have no problem, and I wish to congratulate you on a very successful coloring things green career so far. Second reason. Um, I, I write for my friends, yellow crayon and orange crayon, who are no longer speaking to each other because they both feel that they should be the color of the sun. So please settle this as soon as, as, as possible because they're driving the rest of us crazy. You're very happy, friend, Green Cran. Dear Duncan, Yellow Cran here. I need to tell you that Orange Cran, or I need for you to tell the Orange Cran that I am the color of the sun. I would tell him myself we are no longer speaking. And I can prove that I'm the color of the sun because last Tuesday you used me in the sun on your happy farm coloring book. In case you forgot, it's on page seven. You, can, you can't miss me. I mean, I'm shining brilliantly down on the field of yellow corn. Your pal and the true color of the sun, yellow crayon. Dear Duncan, I see that Yellow Crayon has already talked to you, the big whiner. And can you please tell Mr. Tattletale that he is not the color of the sun? I would, but we are no longer talking to each other. We both know that I am clearly the color of the sun because on Thursday you used me to color the sun on both on both Monkey Island and Meet the Zookeeper in the coloring book of Day at the Zoo. Aren't you glad I'm here? Ha! Your pal and the real color of the sun, Orange Crayon. Dear Duncan, it has been great great being your favorite color this past year and the year before that and the year before that I, I really enjoy all those oceans and lakes and rivers and raindrops and rain clouds and the clear skies but the bad news the bad news is i am so short now and stubby i can't even see over the railing of the crayon box anymore i need a break your very stubby friend blue crayon Duncan, all right, listen here, kid. You haven't used me once in the past year. It's because you think I'm a girl's color, isn't it? Speaking of which, please tell your little sister I said thank you for using me in her little princess coloring book. I think she did a fabulous job of staying within the lines. Now back to us. Could you please use me sometime to call an occasional pink dinosaur or, or a monster or a cowboy? I mean, goodness knows that they could use a splash of color. Your unused friend, 
pink crayon. Hey, Duncan, it's me, Peach Crayon. Why did you peel off the paper wrapping? Because now I'm naked. And I'm embarrassed to leave the cram box. I don't even have any underwear. How would you like to go to school naked? I need some clothes. Help your naked friend, Peach Crayon. Well, poor Duncan, he just wanted a color. And of course, he wanted his crayons to be happy. And that gave him an idea. And when Duncan showed his teacher his new picture, she gave him an A for coloring and an A-plus for creativity. The end. So, Michelle family, I just have to know, does he read stories like that at home? Is that his, is that his home reading voice, too? How awesome. How awesome. The day the crayons quit. Thank you, Mr. Matt. The crayons are not happy, right? They've written all these letters. They feel like they are, they feel overworked. They feel underworked. They feel disrespected. They're not getting along. They aren't happy that others aren't getting along. They feel like they are right and others are wrong. Sound familiar? Ring any bells? I'm talking about the Bible, of course, not your lives, the, the Bible, right? In the Bible, there is this great letter called Corinthians, and it's written by Paul to the church in Corinth. And, uh, and what he says might just be important for us as we think about a, a world that isn't so dissimilar from the, from the struggles the crayons are having. So we're going to dive into that. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we, uh, we gather here on this 4th of July weekend and, and say thank you for the opportunity to gather for the freedoms that we have. And God, we also gather after hearing this story and recognize that uh, we too sometimes, sometimes struggle. We sometimes struggle to feel valued. We, we sometimes admit that we don't value others enough. We admit that, uh, that sometimes we don't get along. And it can be hard to find a way to get along with others. So God, we just pray, speak to us through your word this day. Remind us of your love and grace in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the, the church in Corinth, it, had, it was kind of a melting pot of people. Corinth itself was a melting pot. There were, there were temples to every god, and, and people gathered and came from, from all over. It was a, it was a center of commerce and, and trade. So the church, it reflected the, the people of the, of the area. And, uh, and we know that Paul visited and, and he taught there, but we also know that there were other teachers that came through. And the church, it was having this struggle. And I thought the best way today for us to understand this struggle uh, is to kind of demonstrate, I need some volunteers. I, re I really need six volunteers. Who'd like to come forward? I see a couple hands right there. Two more right there. Come on forward. Two more volunteers. There's one over here. One more. 
All right, come right up. Oh, she's coming right behind you. All right, and I need everybody to pair up. So you're going to have a partner? All right, and you're going you're gonna to stand. Let me have the two of you right over here. You're going to stand kind of separate. Nope, the two of you can be right here center. And, yep, good, awesome. All right, so think of the church in Corinth. It was this church of, of people that came from diverse backgrounds. And then this is what happened. All right, I want the two of you to yell as loud as you can, Cephas, Cephas, he's our man. Keep going. All right, very good. And then there was this. Yeah, you're good. You can stop now. Yep, yep, yep. Thanks for the enthusiasm. Outstanding. All right, now the two of you, you're going to yell, we follow Apollos. We follow Apollos. We follow Apollos. We follow Apollos. Excellent. All right, you've got it down. Now, you all are going to go, follow Paul. He knows all. Keep going. Excellent. All right. Now, what I want you to do is I want everybody to yell at the same time. Cephas, Cephas, he's our man. We follow Apollos. Follow Paul. He knows all. And try and convince some people out there to yell with you. All right? Ready? And go. Follow Paul. Follow Paul, he knows all. All right, let's, uh, let's give our volunteers a hand. You all can return to your seats, but stay tuned. I'm going to need you back up here a little bit later, okay? So... So this is what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So what did you feel when they were up here trying to convince everybody to follow the, the teacher or the leader that they wanted you to follow? Did it, did it feel like unity? Did it feel like the power of God to build community? Did it feel like people trying to transform the world together? Now, right, you just sense the division. You sense the, the competitiveness. You sense people who think that their way is the way. You sense the, the frustration and, and how upset people are. And so Paul writes them this letter. This is, this is what Paul hears about. This is what Paul sees in the church of Corinth. And so he writes them this letter and he says, this is my wish that there be no divisions, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And Paul doesn't mean that the people won't look different or feel different or even have different ideas or, or different opinions. What Paul is, is saying is, isn't that everybody needs to look the same, but he's inviting them to be unified in this particular way unified in the love of Jesus in their lives. 
A little bit later, he'll, he'll name what's, what's holding them back. He says this in 1 Corinthians 11. This is the message version. It says, regarding this next item, this next thing I'm going to talk about, I'm not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing with and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best that can be said for it is that the testing process will bring truth into the open and confirm it. And then I find you bringing your divisions together to worship. You come together, and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourselves. Some are left out and go home hungry. You see, the wealthier members were coming together and they were sharing meals while the well, those who were servants and those who were more impoverished had to work until, until dusk fell. And then they would come and the food would be gone. And so they wouldn't even get to participate in the meal and they'd go home hungry. And what pains Paul the most, I think, isn't that, isn't that, that there's just this divisiveness, but what the divisiveness is saying about God in the community. What the divisiveness is saying about who Jesus is or isn't. What pains Paul is what this is showing the world about God. And so Paul says, I want to show you another way. I want to show you another way to be the church in the world. And so the letter goes on and he says this, 1 Corinthians 12, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to show who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the spirit and to all kinds of people. I want to invite everybody to raise your right hand in the air. Raise your right hand. Everybody raise your right hand in the air. If your hand is up right now, God has given you a gift. If your hand is not up right now, God has given you a gift. You just weren't listening to Pastor Brian at the moment. Right? God has given you a gift. You can put your hands down. And you see what Paul says is the church is at its best when all the gifts are shared. When the church stops bickering with each other and instead goes out and serves and makes a difference. The church is at its best when all gifts are shared, but there's more. Paul is also saying all of these gifts, they come from God. God needs all of them, not just some of them. So for those that aren't feeling valued, for those that are feeling like they've been pushed aside, you as a church, you need to reach out to them and let them know that, that they are valued just as they are, that they have gifts that God has given them and you want them to share their gifts too. The church is at its best when all gifts and individuals are valued, but not just that. All of these gifts come from God and so the anchor that holds this community together, it isn't that you're all gonna believe the exact same things, it isn't that you're all going to be going in the exact same direction in your life, except for this. You're all going to point your lives together toward Christ. The church is at its best when gifts are shared and individuals are valued and everything is anchored in the love of Jesus. And then Paul says this. 
He gives an analogy, and, and I, I'm going to invite you, just put your hand out in front of you like this, and, uh, and just flex your hand a little bit, all right? And then wave your foot, right? You're thankful for your hands and feet. This is what Paul says next. You can easily enough see how this kind of things work by looking no further than your own body. Your own body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into this large and integrated life in which he, Christ, has the final say in everything. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek or slave or free are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. And then he says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Paul uses two words that we should hear here. One is need. The church needs you. And I just want to invite you today, if, if you haven't sensed that or you haven't felt that on behalf of the church, I'm, I'm sorry. You should hear that message when we gather. You should, you should hear that message from the church today. The church needs you. There's a lot of places we need to spread the love of Jesus into the world. The church needs you. And the second word Paul uses is indispensable. Every person, every person has value. Every person in the church is indispensable. I think as a church, sometimes we need to admit that we failed. We, we've made people feel less than. We've made them think, think that their gifts don't matter because in admitting that, we can then say, we're sorry. That's not who God calls us to be. God calls us to be the kind of church that reaches out to people and says, you matter. You matter to God. You matter to me. You matter to us. You have gifts. We hope you'll, you'll share those with us as we seek to, to include and love more and, and more people. Paul ends this section by saying this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Can I invite my volunteers to come forward again? And uh, I'm going to invite Mr. Matt to come forward for a moment. He's going to help us. You remember when they were up here before, what did, you, what did you feel, right? We felt the competition, we felt the divisiveness, we felt, we felt the pulling apart. Now, Mr. Matt, I'm going to invite you to just lay on the ground right there, kind of between the buckets. Here's what Paul says to the church. He says, yeah, you, you've got different opinions. You've got, you've got different ideas. But I want to call you 
to unity. And so I'm going to invite you to look out at the worlds together as one body of Christ and think about how is it that you're transforming it. And when you see someone who is sick or injured or has fallen, I want you to lift them up. So let me invite the six of you. Mr. Matt is not going to help. He's not going to use any of his own muscle. I want to invite all six of you to get him to his feet. All six of you to help him to his feet. All right, let's give our volunteers a hand. What did you feel that time? Did you feel everybody, that sense of coming together around lifting someone up, that, that sense of all of us cheering them on? Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not easy work. Transforming the world is not easy work. And we can't do it by ourselves. One of them was going to have a terribly difficult time doing it, but we could do it together. Paul invites the church to look into the world and say, where can we make a difference together? Where can we be Christ for the world together? In our story today, the crayons, right? The crayons could only see their part of the picture. They couldn't see the rest. And so they, they were only focused on, on the burden that it was to them. But the artist, the artist saw something more that the crayons could do. But he, he, the artist recognized that all the crayons needed to be honored. He needed to honor what they were saying, what they were feeling. And yet, drawn together, they created this beautiful work of art. Right? Should the crayons feel valued and empowered, use their gifts? Absolutely. But was the final picture all about them? No, it was about, it was about something different bigger. If you take a single crayon, you can draw a picture. I mean, you can't provide much color or much depth with a single crayon. The more colors you add, the more beautiful the picture becomes. Alone, I can feed one or two people. Together, we, we feed thousands. Alone, I can share the love of Jesus with one or two people and, and should. Together we can reach more and more people. I'm sorry, could you say that again? We are together. <laughs> Siri didn't hear me. Should I say it again? Alone, I can share the love of Jesus with one or two people. Together. We can reach hundreds and thousands of people around the world with the love of Jesus because we bring our gifts together. And just think about today. We're gathered here on the lawn. We're having a good time. There's nine square in the air. There's bubbles. There's balloons for kids, right? That wasn't created by one person. It was created by a team down to Andrea Jacko who was out here picking up goose poop. 
before you arrived so that the lawn was clean. Yeah, you can give Andrea a hand for that, absolutely. And I should say the, the part of the Fetcher family was helping too. It, we should acknowledge all those who helped pick up goose poop, right? But there was a team that set up nine square in the sky and there was a, a team greeting people and there was a, a team handing out balloons and thinking about how to engage kids today. All of that pulls this together. That's what we're invited as the church to do in, in the world. And so we have this invitation this morning, right? Are we going to be participants and consumers of, of the body of Christ? Or are we going to be, allow ourselves to be a part of the body? Will we let the labels and divisions of the world tear us apart? Are we willing to be all in for Jesus and, and do this together? Because you see, there's a difference between being consumers and being part of the body or being observers of what the church is doing and being participants. It's a difference between consumption, taking from what the church can give and, and contribution, letting our gifts be a part of what the church puts into the world. It's a difference between criticism, saying what's wrong with the church in the world, to construction, looking at what's wrong in the world and constructing the church to meet those needs. It's a difference between association, yeah, I'm loosely affiliated with that group, to connection, I'm a part of it. I go to church versus I'm part of the church. I come because I have some interests there. To, I come to share my life with this group of people. I can be critical from the outside to, I'll work to fix what's wrong because this, this body of Christ is too important. I show up when it's convenient to I love and committed and I want to be there because I never know when God's going to use my gifts to touch another life. Duncan, he listens to the crayons and he creates this beautiful work of art. Today, I invite us to, to listen to Paul. Listen to these words of what it looks like to be the church and recognize that we as a church are at our best when gifts are shared when individuals are valued, and when everything we do is anchored in the love of Jesus. So I invite you to grab your crayons this week. Just get them out and color a picture. Sometime this week or sometime this afternoon, just for those of you who are kids, right, you've got crayons, go for it. For those of you who are adults, you're going to have to find some, get them out again, and, and just color a picture. It doesn't matter what the picture looks like, but just think about as you do it, just celebrate the gifts that God has given you and ask God, how can, you, how can you join my gifts with the gifts of others to make a difference?